Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Every year on Palm Sunday, we read the Passion Narrative. Now this year, we read it from Mark's account. Now this is the most powerful story, not just in the Bible, but in the world history. In fact, if you look at Mark's Gospel, he devotes over one-third of his Gospel to the Passion Week, to the final days of Jesus' life. Mark's emphasis on these events reflects the importance of Holy Week for our church and for each and every one of us. Now, many of us are very familiar with all the Passion narratives from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What's the danger here? Well, the temptation is we say to ourselves, oh, I heard that story. You know, I hear that every year. And we tend to gloss over certain aspects of the narrative that make it so rich, especially in such a story that is incredibly rich in symbolism. Well, what I want to do in the next few minutes is to highlight certain aspects of Mark's passion narrative so that we can grow in a greater love and appreciation for it and for what Christ did for us. How does it begin? Well, Jesus, he comes into Jerusalem. It says he rides a colt. Now, we all know a colt is a small and very young horse. In the ancient world, kings rode powerful horses, chargers, Arabian horses. They were symbolic of their power, their prestige, and their status as kings. In fact, the tradition started with King David and continued on with subsequent kings of Israel. They would ride into Jerusalem, into the capital city, riding a powerful war horse in order to claim the title of king. Well, Jesus does the same in some ways. He does ride into Jerusalem to become our king, but he rides a colt, which is symbolic of his humility. He's not mounted on a war horse or a charger, but nonetheless, he will be crowned our king when he mounts the cross. Now the people, they shout out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. As Jesus comes into Jerusalem, that's their way of welcoming him. Well, does that sound familiar at all? Well, we sing that same thing right before the consecration. Right before the consecration, we sing the Holy, Holy. And in it, we say, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Why? Because like those people welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem as their king, we do the same thing at Mass. When we sing that song, we too welcome our King because we recognize He is now present in our midst in the most powerful way in the Eucharist. That's why we put the kneelers down and we kneel, which is a posture of complete reverence to the King that is now in our midst. 
Now, stop and think about that. That has far-reaching consequences. If Jesus is our king, and he is, and we are his loyal subjects, and we are, then his values are our values. His beliefs are our beliefs. His way of life is our way of life. We must be a living reflection of our king in this world. Next in the story, the woman comes and she breaks open an alabaster jar full of oil. She breaks it over Jesus' head and pours it all over him. Now, mind you, she doesn't pour just a little bit over him or just dab a little bit on his forehead. She breaks the jar, which means she leaves nothing behind, such that all the oil in that jar is poured over him. Nothing is left behind. It's an overwhelming gesture on her heart, especially because the oil is so expensive. Now, notice also the detail. She pours it over his head, not his hands or his feet. Symbolically, in ancient Israel, only the priest, the prophet, and the kings were anointed this way. Remember the story of David? God tells the prophet Samuel that David is chosen to be the next king. So Samuel sets out to find David. And once he finds David, he does the exact same thing. He takes a large alabaster jar full of oil. He breaks it and pours it over David's head. <laughs> David is standing there drenched in this oil. What's well, a sign that God has chosen David as the next king? Well, we see this happening now with Jesus. Oil is poured over Jesus' head. Jesus is our king. And the whole world will see Jesus as our king when he's raised up on the cross. Now, just as this woman gave completely away all the oil, she held nothing back. Well, Jesus will give himself completely away. He will hold nothing back as he mounts the cross in order for us to be saved. Next, Jesus celebrates the Last Supper and he institutes our Mass, the Mass that we know today. Now, some scholars refer to our Mass as the new Christian Passover. Now, remember, Jesus, as well as the rest of the Jews in Jerusalem, are in God's holy city to celebrate the Passover. This was the annual celebration in which the Jews would ritually remember the great event in which God delivered them from slavery in Egypt, ultimately to the Promised Land. Now, this was an incredible and significant event in the history of the Israelite people. It would be like cramming Christmas, Easter, and the 4th of July all together, rolled up in one celebration. Well, Jews throughout Israel and the surrounding countries would essentially descend upon Jerusalem to celebrate the great Passover. To give you an indication of just how significant a celebration this was, Jerusalem's population was typically around 30,000 people. But during the Passover week, it would swell to about 130 to 150,000 people. Now, why did the early church fathers refer to our Mass as the new Christian Passover? Well, compare and contrast the Passover with the Last Supper. First of all, they were both instituted by God. The Passover recalls God liberating the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. At our Mass, we recall Jesus 
liberating us from the slavery of sin and death. Now, both celebrations call for a certain meal to be eaten. The Passover calls for unleavened bread and a lamb and bitter herbs. Our Mass calls for us to eat and drink the body and blood of Christ. Furthermore, notice the words of consecration that Jesus uses. He says, Take this cup, the blood of the covenant, shed for many. Now, the old covenant between God and the Israelites was always sealed by sacrificial blood of an animal. Well, now, in these words of consecration, Jesus is completely abolishing that old covenant, and he's doing something monumental, something unheard of. Jesus is now establishing a new and everlasting covenant with the church and us at the time of the Last Supper. Well, what's the implication for us? Every time we celebrate Mass, every time we celebrate the Eucharist, we remember the covenant that was made in Jesus' blood at the time of the Last Supper in such a way that we now share in Jesus' divine life. This is why it is so, so important for us to come to Mass every week. Because when we come to Mass and we celebrate the Eucharist, we remember, and better yet, we ratify that covenant, that everlasting covenant that Jesus made with us when we eat his body and drink his blood. And in doing so, now we have the promise that we will share in Jesus' divine life. See, this is one of the reasons why the Mass is so, so important for us. And this is the reason why Jesus celebrated the Last Supper and instituted our Mass right before his impending death. Everything that Jesus did was always intentional. Well, now in the Last Supper, he does something that is very intentional. He abolishes the Old Covenant and establishes the New an everlasting covenant with us through his body and blood. Friends, this week we embark upon Holy Week. We call it that just because it is. The days and the liturgies that we celebrate are very holy. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Now our church teaches us that these services that we hold on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday are all one liturgy. It starts on Thursday, and it concludes at Easter. And yet, each of these services are separate and distinct of themselves. Thursday, we celebrate the institution of our Mass that we know today, the Last Supper. Good Friday, we remember the great sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf on the cross. Saturday, the Easter Vigil, as well as Sunday, Easter Sunday, We rejoice with great joy in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and how he has defeated death for each and every one of us. And we hope that we one day will participate in that resurrection ourselves. Friends, strongly encourage you, attend these services and allow these services to draw you in to the powerful mystery of what Jesus has done for each and every one of us. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ, rest upon you always.